Life's full of blessings and of pain, full of losses and of gain, full of laughter and of tears, full of courage and of fear. It's full of joy and full of strife. It makes the lyrics of your life. Where is your song? Where is your song? Why don't you sing? There is healing when we let our voices ring. Where is your voice? Where did it go? Why don't you let the music Hey everybody, and welcome back to One Single Choice. It's me, Sam. I am still here. This is episode eight. Okay, and you know, I, I got to tell you, I am, um, tomorrow will be two weeks since my surgery. So I'm two weeks post-op from my tummy tuck. The first week is great, you guys. Like, after your surgery, you're feeling really good. Like, I barely had any pain. I was sleeping okay. I mean, you have to sleep on your back because you've got drains. So you don't get super comfortable but but I I got used to sleeping on my back pretty good because I'm I'm sleeping okay. Um, week two is a whole different scenario. First of all, one single choice. I'm living alone. It's just me and my cats. I had my good friend Jeannie staying with me for the first two days after my surgery, but after that I was on my own. And the first week is a breeze because you really don't feel anything. Okay, this week, now that, you know, some of the swelling's going down and they have your abdomen so numb that you don't feel anything for the first week. Once that numbness starts to go away, whoo, Lord, you start feeling it. You can feel the incision. I feel it all the way around my body. And because it's healing, it's starting to itch. Now, one of the things, and I didn't get really graphics, I didn't really tell you guys, but one of the things they do is they relocate your belly button because when they cut off all the fat, all, everything that's in your lower abdomen, when they take all that out, your belly button's a little distorted, so they move it. And there's a couple of stitches in there holding it into place. Well, the first week, you know, you go into the to doctor's office and they take off that belly button bandage. They clean it, put a new bandage on there. That's the first week. You don't feel it. Well, three days after that, you have to do it yourself at home. And I started feeling it. I'm going to tell you it's a little bit traumatic. So if you're not really good with pain, I'm okay with pain. It's just the self-inflicted pain is what's not good for me. Like I had to talk myself into doing it. For, for my listeners who are on a GLP-1 medication, you know, you do the shots. You guys know what I'm talking about because that, you get used to giving yourself the shots once a week. But when you first do it, it's traumatic. It's like, oh my God, I don't know if I can do it. You have to talk yourself into it. Well, it was the same way with changing that bandage yesterday. Now I have to change it again today because you have to change it every day. But yeah, I'm going to put it off for a little while. I'm going to wait until after my coffee is fully running through every vein before I attempt to change that bandage. The The good thing is, is that my two-week follow-up is tomorrow, and hopefully the drains will come out because 
Now, the first week, it's really important that you track how much output, how much is in your drains. You have to track that for the first week. And I was under the assumption that the drains would come out after seven days, but I was wrong. They told me, no, it's two weeks. And, you know, it's really a good thing because you don't want any of that you don't want any of that floating around in your abdomen. For one thing, it can cause infection. You want it to drain. Um, and for another thing, it it uh, increases your swelling if you don't get rid of it. So the drains are really important, and I get that. It's just really frustrating to have them. You know, I'm, I, I'm really housebound right now, except I did go to the pharmacy yesterday, and I, I'm able to drive myself to the doctor's office, that kind of thing. But it's, you're really immobile when you have the drains, and that's a little bit frustrating. Um, and for those of you who have ever gone through a major surgery, this was a major surgery, you guys. They, it's, um, it's really hard to explain, but if you've ever gone through that, you're in week two. You start having like really negative thoughts. I have to catch myself because I'm like feeling sorry for myself. This is something I chose to do for me, and I just was not as prepared as I needed to be for the recovery period because it's so important to have your head on right so that you don't do anything to screw it up. But there's some aches and pains. I'm still walking a little hunched over. This is two weeks out. I'm feeling really old, and I'm in a negative headspace. So if I have any advice for any of you who are considering doing anything like this, make sure you're considering your your healing time and your recovery because it's not it's not fast. It's not something you can do very quickly. You have to make sure that you give yourself the right amount of time. Um, I am able to do some reading. I've been able to get into a couple of books. If you guys know me, I'm always on the go. So I'm in the car and I got audiobooks going all the time. I love audiobooks. I love reading, all that. But because I'm so mobile and I'm always on the go, I have audiobooks. Well, since I'm not on the go and I'm sitting at home, can't really do anything. It's for me, it has been really comforting to pick up a book and read because I haven't been able to do it in so long. So I have been able to do that. And that's bringing me out of this little funk that I'm in that. And I get to go to Trader Joe's tomorrow because it's right by my doctor's office. So after my drains come out and go into Trader Joe's, if you are not a fan of Trader Joe's, you guys, I don't know why, because to me, it's just like, this is an event when I get to go because there's so many good things at Trader Joe's. But anyway, that's an update on me. Another thing I've been doing while while slowly recovering is I've been able to catch up on a couple of movies. Now, um, for a lot of you, I know that you, you know, you're coupled, you've got a family, and so you can't really always choose what you're going to watch on TV, what you're going to stream or whatever, but um, I'm going to go back just a little bit to the audiobooks that I listen to. I also am really big on podcasts and true crime and that kind of stuff, and one of the trips that I made um, either to my parents or home from my parents, I was listening to 
um, a podcast, and I believe it was on the app Wondery. And I really like Wondery. I like their selection of podcasts. But one of the um, podcasts I was listening to is the Osage Murders. So when you listen, when you start listening to this, you're thinking Osage. What is that? Well, the Osage Murders happened in northwestern Oklahoma, and it was about the Osage Indians. And I was listening to it, and I really enjoyed the podcast. I enjoyed learning about that Indian nation because I live in North Texas, and right across the border in Oklahoma, there's uh, several different Indian reservations up there. You have Choctaw, Chickasaw, so many others that I, I can't, oh, Creek Nation. There's, there's several others that I can't really think of. But as I was listening to that podcast, they were saying these Indian nations that that I'm aware of. And so I really got into that podcast. And then, you know, like with most podcasts, you know, you move on to the next one, you kind of forget about it. So I did. I forgot about it. Well, I was watching the Golden Globe Awards last Sunday. See, because I am homebound, I'm doing a lot of TV watching, which I don't normally do that. But I was watching the Golden Globes, and Lily Gladstone won Best Supporting Actress for the film um, Killers of the Flower Moon. Um, it also stars Leonardo DiCaprio and Robert De Niro. And I thought, after I saw that and I heard her speech, she was uh, she's the first indigenous woman to ever win a Golden Globe for that category and she was talking about the movie and she was she was just saying you know how grateful she was to be able to represent this tribe of women and I thought you know what I'm going to look that up and see what that movie is about oh my gosh turns out I'm, I'm watching this movie and as I'm watching it I'm realizing I know this story and this movie was all about that podcast I listened to. It was such a good movie, you guys. It was three hours and 30 minutes. That's a commitment. I get it. But it was worth every minute of it. And I want to tell you that they were absolutely right when they chose Lily Gladstone for uh, Best Supporting Actress because she did an amazing job. Um, the whole movie was really done well, and I learned so much more about it's a true story, and it's about the Osage Indian Nation. You guys, it is so worth the watch. I don't normally do this. I don't plug movies on this podcast, but um, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna do a couple. So this was a good one. Really, really worth the watch. So please think about um, taking an afternoon if it's raining or you're snowed in or whatever. You can stream it. It's a Paramount movie, but I think I streamed it on Apple Plus. I'm not positive. I, honestly, I don't normally plug movies, but I got to tell you that even when that one was finished, I wanted to go back and watch it again. And it's not it's not that it's, you know, super... I mean, it is a true story and it's a devastating true story, but, you know, it's history and it's really good. So 
So there's that one. And then I'm going to tell you about one other one. That, and then I'll move on because I really, I, I just really want to share this with you. I was flipping through um, one of the streaming platforms. And again, I, I think it was Apple Plus, And I came across a documentary called Still, S-T-I-L-L. And it is a documentary about Michael J. Fox, starring Michael J. Fox. And if you don't, if you're not aware of his whole story, and for people who are about my age, I think it'll interest you because he's close to our age as well. And it is such a well-done documentary that it, you know, there, it was good music. It was, it showed his whole career and what happened with him and his Parkinson's diagnosis. And he's just such, he's still such a, a good guy. I mean, he's gone through a lot and he could pretty much just flip us all off and say he's done, but he didn't. And he's just, he's just really, really a good guy. And he shows his family and his wife, Tracy, and it, it was just really well done. So if, if you have time to watch that one, it's called Still. It's an hour and a half long, but really insightful when it comes to him and what happened. Okay, so I've spent 12 minutes um, kind of doing a PSA, my public service announcement to everyone. This is what happens when you're kind of locked in your own um, headspace for a little while is that uh, you start you start you know going off in different directions and with the the last episode that I did I was talking to you guys about a few things that I'm that I'm looking into doing and one of those is writing um, and I have done a little bit of writing in the last couple of weeks but it's um, anybody who has um, any kind of uh, anxiety or anything like that. I, I suffer from anxiety and I believe I've had anxiety most of my life. Um, when it comes to having an anxiety disorder of any kind, when, when you're feeling a little trapped, which I'm getting cabin fever, being home and recovering, when you're going through that, your anxiety kicks into overdrive um, I am on medication to help me with my anxiety, and believe me, it is a game changer. Um, so I wanted to talk to you for a little bit about um, anxiety and how people just kind of ignore the symptoms of anxiety because it's mental health. And, and mental health for a lot of people is something that they don't consider a part of health care. And I'm going to argue that with you in the next little bit. When you're suffering from anxiety, and you may not even know what it is. You don't even know that it's anxiety. Have you ever been, like, let's just say you're in a situation, and you're in a room full of people, and it's all happy. Everyone's happy. Um, you're, you're playing you know, Pictionary or whatever, and you're having cocktails. It could be any scenario. Make one up in your head, but it's a happy occasion, right? If you suffer from anxiety, you could be in that room of people where it's happy and everyone's having fun, and the only thing that's going through your mind is you're worrying about when the fight's going to start. You're worrying about everybody being happy. 
Um, you're worrying about somebody getting upset with somebody else because they they won again. Or do you understand what I'm saying? That's anxiety. Anxiety is um, having a worry that doesn't go away. And it could be something as silly as worrying after a phone call that it wasn't a good conversation. Maybe I didn't say enough. Maybe I didn't apologize and I should have. Or maybe I should have stayed on the phone with them longer. But it's this voice in your head that just keeps talking. Maybe I should have. Maybe I should have. Maybe I should have. Does that make any sense to you guys? Are you feeling anything of what I'm saying? Because anxiety comes in so many different disguises that it's hard to even realize that that's what it is. Anxiety also takes the form of um, anger or being bitchy, okay? You can be in a really happy place in your life and you can still not unravel um, the, um, the bad mood, right? Just think of it like that, the bad mood. There's a bad mood in there and you can't get to the bottom of it. it, it anxiety can take that form. Um, it can also be um, you, you don't sleep at night. You go to bed, you're tired, you're, you've unwound, you know, you feel like you're going to be able to go to sleep and you lay down and all of a sudden your eyes are open and you cannot go to sleep. That's another form of anxiety. And the reason I bring it up is because for many people, they don't recognize the symptoms of anxiety and they feel like something's wrong with them. Like, why is my personality like this? Why am I so angry all the time? Something has had to have happened. And when you look at that big picture, like you're in a relationship, you're married, you go through all this stuff together and you're divorced, bam, you're single again. So you're blaming all of this anger and misplaced judgment and worry. You're blaming it on your history and you're not digging any deeper. You're not thinking that maybe this is a symptom of something that has to do with my health. Mental health is huge. Mental health is so big. And what people don't realize is when you have anxiety, there's help. There is help for you. Um, so many people suffer from anxiety and they don't see it. You know, I, I can only speak as a woman and how for years I kind of pushed it off as me being cynical and resentful because of my marriage. My, my marriage failed. And so all of that kind of plays into my recovery, recovering from divorce, recovering from mental health problems, which, which I had. And it took me a long time to realize that I had. People are afraid of that for some reason. They're afraid to dig deeper into that because, you know, that's your head, right? If your head's not on straight, things are not going to happen for you. That's good, right? So we kind of push it off to the back burner and say, I can get over this myself. You know, it, it's all due to my past. This is why I have anxiety. So for women, and I'm speaking for women only because I am one, it's hard for us to get past that hurdle. But I want you to, if you're feeling any of that, any of those symptoms that I said before, and there's many others, many other things that can lead to a diagnosis of anxiety. But if you're feeling any of that, bring it up to your doctor and, and just say, 
you know, I can't stop worrying. I'm always worrying or, you know, I'm, I can't be happy in the moment or I can't sleep well. Bring it up to them and discuss it. Okay. It may not be anxiety or it may be, uh, it may be something you really need to discuss with someone. Now I'm going to switch gears just a little bit and talk about the men because I feel like for a man, it's a little bit harder because men are never as willing as women to show that weakness. You know, they think that it's a weakness if they're, if they're feeling anxiety. So they're not as willing to share it with anyone or to say, you know, I've been worrying a lot lately and I don't know what it is, or I'm finding myself angry. You know, I, I want to tell you how mine, how my anxiety became so strong that I finally brought it up. I was driving one day and when I was driving, I was like, I was like yelling at people like, oh my God, can you go faster? You're going to do the speed limit or, oh, no blinker. That's great. You know, I mean, I was just really upset. It was road rage. And I was like, what is happening to me? I'm not in that big of a hurry. There is no reason for me to be acting this way. But that's how I finally realized this is not my past. This is not resentment. This is not being cynical or cynicism. This is something deeper. Um, so for me, that's how I realized that I needed to talk to somebody. And the next time I was at my doctor, I talked to him about it. But for, for men, it's a little bit harder because they're not willing to admit that that might be what the problem is. But I want you guys to just really think about it and, and put it into perspective. Now, if you, if you had um, a, a pain in your side that would not go away, you know, the first couple of days we chalk it up to, well, I did some exercises yesterday. That's probably what it was, you know. And then for a couple of days you say, well, you know, I haven't gone to the bathroom much. Maybe that's what it is, right? So we always chalk it up to something else. But in the end, if that pain doesn't go away, you go to the doctor for it and you finally say, hey, something's going on. I got this pain in my side. I want you to consider the things that are going on with you. If you're worrying every day about something, uh, that phone call, or if somebody's happy, or if somebody's mad at you, or uh, you feel jealous, or like just just things are getting out of control in your head, or you, f you find yourself with a little bit more road rage, or you're angry, um, I want you to consider that a pain in your side to where you can't just keep ignoring those feelings. Because I did for a long time, and I did for years, when I finally went to the doctor, I said, actually, I started talking about it. And when I was talking about it, I got really emotional and I started crying. And I told, I stopped the doctor. I said, wait a minute. I don't want to cry because I don't want you to think that it's anything that I can't handle. And he got a smile on his face. And I said, well, what, what? And he said, I, I want you to calm down for one, but I want you to stop uh, making excuses for yourself. I want you to just calm down for a second and I want you to I want you to focus on exactly what you want to tell me and, and then I want to talk about it. And we talked 
this guy was a godsend because we talked for probably 15 or 20 minutes. And, and if I was um, in an area where you don't usually get that much time with the doctor and he said, I want to try something. And he said, I'm going to tell you that it's going to be temporary, but I want to try something and I want you to do it for a month, maybe 45 days. And then I want you to come back and tell me how you feel. So he prescribed Zoloft to me. And, you know, for the first few weeks, you don't really feel any different. I was worried about taking it and I thought, I'm going to trust this guy. Um, so the first couple of weeks, I didn't feel any difference. And then it was like someone came in and flipped the light on. My life changed at that moment. I was able to think clearly. There was no more road rage. I still worried a little more than I, uh, than I wanted to, but it took the edge off. Okay. It wasn't as extreme. The difference was miraculous to me. Um, I have actually been on Zoloft since then. This was four years ago, maybe five years ago. Um, they do uh, alter the, um, the dosage, you know, based on what they think you need. And, it, and, and that medication might not be what's right for you. There are so many others. But I want to tell you if you suffer from any kind of anxiety... You know, counseling always works, and that and it works in that moment. But if you're suffering from anxiety that is not controllable, and mine I felt like was really getting out of control, medication is a game changer. And it's not something that people are willing to admit to. They don't want to say, I need help. I need help with this because my mind is not right. People are so worried about that. And I'm like, this... Your mind and your thoughts are part of your health. If you're, if you're not happy or you're not calm, if you're not feeling good, it's going to affect every part of your life eventually. And mine did. It affected everything. It affected my relationships. It affected my job. Um, it affected my alone time. It affected everything to where... Some days it really incapacitated me and working with this doctor and working through all of that really helped me. And, and, you know, mental health can rear its ugly head at any time where you need help and there is absolutely nothing wrong with it. There is nothing wrong with it. And I just wanted to bring it up. I wanted to talk to people about it because if it wasn't for that one doctor taking the time to talk me through this diagnosis of anxiety, um, I would still be back there. And it was so uncomfortable. I found myself crying all the time. I mean, even when it was happy, you know, my kids would give me a gift or something that was sentimental and touching, and I would just ball. And they knew I would. You know, they're like, mom's going to cry. Well, now if they give me a gift and I don't cry, they're like, wow, she must not like that. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> I'm medicated, okay? Um, no, it's just that you go through that wide range of emotions, and that's anxiety. Um, but I bring it up because it's so important, especially during the winter months when things are a little bit more bleak, 
than what they normally would be. I mean, I'm stuck at home right now anyway, but there are a lot of people through the whole country that are stuck at home right now. And it's so hard. It's hard to be inside your head and being alone and vulnerable. It's time to speak to somebody about it. It's time to talk about it because it doesn't just go away on its own. If it is anxiety, you need some help and that's okay. So just, I just wanted to talk about that a little bit. I don't really have a lot of time left, but, um, but I, you know, I, I told you guys before that I spend a lot of time on, on social media and I do it. A lot of it is for research because I want to see what people need. What can I do, uh, to make a difference? I want to do something that makes a difference. And I really wanted to bring up anxiety and mental health because, it's made such a big difference in my life that I know for the last few years, I would not be where I am physically and mentally if it wasn't for that one diagnosis from that doctor of anxiety. I didn't know. You know, people just don't know that uh, the symptoms of anxiety and how different they can be for everyone and so now when I'm talking to someone and I recognize signs of anxiety, I just kind of bring it up to them and say, you know what, it's just something to think about. Um, there, there's not so much a stigma on, on medication and, and getting help like there used to be. Um, and, and I'm talking because of this platform, because of one single choice, it's hard enough to go through a breakup or a divorce or separation, that kind of thing. It's hard enough to go through that when your mind is normal and calm. When it's not, when you have any hurdles like anxiety, and it's just a hurdle, you can get over this. It is, it's a speed bump. It makes it so much worse. So I really wanted to talk about it today because I really want people to know that there is help um, and start with your family, your family doctor, your PCP. Um, you know, when you, I, I want to talk for a second to my friends on here who are on uh, GLP-1. When you lose weight, your anxiety is going to shift. You know, we, we spent so many years in a bigger body, a bigger version of ourself, that we build up blinders and we look at the world a whole different way. And if it wasn't for the help that I received with my anxiety, I'm not sure I would be okay in the size body I'm in right now. You know, I, I there is a lot of uh, issues that come up with that because, you know, we're used to being in a whole separate um, group of people. You know, we're, we're, we're segregated. We're over there. This is where the oversized, the plus size people go. You go to this side and this is how you're going to be talked to. This is how you're going to be looked at. And then all of a sudden they lifted that gate. When I lost enough weight, they lifted that gate and I was able to merge back over with the little people. You know, the, the, the normal people. 
there is a there is a mental block right there and it's it's something that you have to work through it's not just something that's going to happen you know you don't just get smaller and all of a sudden your mind is thinking that in the same way as a smaller person you've got to work through that there's a lot of issues that come with it um i still you know, I will always have a little abnormal relationship with food because I've always looked at food as the enemy and it's not. You got to work through that. That creates anxiety. So it's, it's all relative. And, you know, I really appreciate you letting me talk about that today and you sticking with me through this whole podcast because, um, mental health is so important and I feel like we do what we can to keep our body or to get our body uh, healthy and the way it needs to be that if people don't spend time trying to get their mind healthy and in the right place this is where the troubles come in this is where the problems come in this is where uh, those of us who are on you know this this weight loss uh, trip um, this is where we lose it this is where we go back to the way we used to be um, so it's it's time to really consider all of those things anyway I want to thank you guys for joining me and again I want to um, plug the music Diane Richardson uh, singing the intro and extra to this podcast she's wonderful and if you'd like more of her music, email me at sam at timetravelcapitalwellness.com or davissam15 at icloud.com. I'm happy to, to get you um, some more information on how you can do that. But thank you for joining me today. Um, I will be back next week, hopefully drain-free. Uh, I, I feel like... I feel like it's coming together now. I feel like things are, are heading in the right direction. And maybe I just needed to talk to you guys to get out of my funk because I'm feeling a little bit better. So um, be fierce, my friends, and take on the day. And we'll talk again soon. Take care. Life's full of blessings and of pain, full of losses and of gain, full of laughter and of tears. Full of courage and of fear It's full of joy and full of strife It makes the lyrics of your life Where is your song? Where is your song? Why don't you sing? There is healing when we let our voices ring Where is your voice? Where did it go? Why don't you let the music heal?